This morning we're going to be looking at a, I think a familiar passage that we, we go to frequently. The older we get, the more frequent we seem to go to this particular verse when Paul was writing to the church at Rome. And while the chapter and the subject matter surrounding this particular verse, there's a lot. I want to focus this morning um, on just this one verse uh, because this is a verse that we go to when we're looking for comfort in all, in all <clears throat> variations of our life. And so what I would like to do, what I'm going to do, is I'm going to unfold this. Now, in doing so, be patient with me for just a bit because it's of necessity that I have to deal, or I'm going to deal with the language, uh, two words that I want to talk about and ultimately will conclude with this. But I'm gonna answer two questions from this. Now the questions come from my own human nature and then the study is going to be what God's Word has to say as it will ultimately answer my two questions. Let's read and then I'll pose the two questions to you. And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are the called according to his purpose. You've heard this, we've gone to it, we've read it, all of us, uh, in private, in public. But here are my two questions from a human nature standpoint. Number one, if you notice, and we know. My first question is, how do I know? How is it that I know that all things are going to work together for the good of them who love God? How do I know that? The second question that comes from my human nature is, how can I know? Because what Paul is saying here is that we know this, and yet I have to be honest, there have been seasons that I, I didn't know that. I didn't know because of all the various things. So it's necessary for me to unfold this in a way that made, makes sense to me. The first thing I want to look at is the, is the word know. We know. We know. Paul would have said that. We know. There are two words that are throughout the scriptures, especially in, in the Old Testament, I mean in the New Testament. The first word for, for knowing is gnosko, okay? So it is a word that is used frequently uh, when the word knowledge or know is used uh, usually in, in, the, in the Greek language, it's gnosko. But there's a second word, 
And the second word is a little different, and I'm going to explain the difference for just a minute uh, so that we can, I think, get the, uh, what I would call the gravity of what Paul is saying here. The second word is, for no, is, is idu. So you have gnosko and you have idu. Now, here's what gnosko means. Gnosko means, I am coming to know. I am progressing to know. I am gathering up in order that I might know. But idu is a different word. There's no progress in it whatsoever. What it means is I have full knowing. I'm not progressing anymore. I'm not gathering anything anymore. I already know. And what's interesting about do different than gnosko, is in gnosko, you gain knowledge by reading or by hearing or taking in data, taking in information. But do is a knowledge only from observation, which I find interesting. So do is the word which means I know because I've seen, I know because I've looked, I know because I observed, and I understand. We've been down that road before, um, you know, you, you, whether it's Christmas and you decided foolishly to buy like this major swing set set for your children, and you decide not to put it together until Christmas Eve, and you unfold this, and, and you, you think it's one page, but when it drops, it's six pages. It's much better to get on YouTube and see how it's done. Every scripture I'm going to be reading this morning does not use gnosko. Every scripture I'll be referring to Will, observe, will mean observe, or to I have seen, or I know because I have beheld or I have looked. So, let's begin. And again, I'm not going to answer the questions until the very end. Sometimes we can't answer questions until we go through God's Word. Isn't that right? First of all, we know all things work together. Well, the presupposition or the premise here is that God knows everything. And that's what Paul is saying, that God is the one who knows. But he says God, God knows, and we should know, or we know, but again, I'm not there yet. I, I haven't got that where I know, but God knows. Now, when he says all things, that is, that is a pot full of everything. It's a basket full of everything, all things. You know, it's easy for me to imagine from my human nature that all things that, that, that are good work out to the good. But I have a very difficult time from my own nature understanding that some things that are bad work out to the good. Now, but God knows that. Now, 
How does God know that? Well, I think the key in that is the phrase, all things. That means every, all, all the works, events, occurrences, no matter what happens, no matter what is going on, God knows that those things can work. Now you say, you say well, how is that possible? Well, that's our human nature. We, we struggle with that. But let me, give some, let me give some examples of how God has seen. He's, he's operated, created, and he's seen that all things can work for the good. First of all, think about nature. We have wind, we have light, we have rain, we have dew, we have calms, we have storms, all kinds of things. But yet God has seen in his infinite wisdom that what he put together, it all operates in harmony. It all works. When we think of God's harmony, how everything works, we have to assume, we have to accept that God in his infinite wisdom and providential power is able to bring about sometimes the most dissimilar things, but yet he knows that they can work together. We may not, but he does. God knows that all things can work together. Let's think of something mechanical. Let's say a clock. We observe a clock, but yet when we look at it very closely, we see that the clock has various moving parts of different sizes and different um, shapes and all kinds of things, but yet it works together, does it not? And it has a total end. Think of the human body. As God put it together, we have, we have the, the body, we have the skin, we have the heart, we have the lungs, we have the eyes, the ears touch. By themselves, it doesn't seem that they would fit with anything other than what's like it. But yet God knows because he put it together and he created it in this way that all things can work together. Now God knows that. I don't always know that. I don't think you do either. I think we struggle with that sometimes. What this is, is that God has the ability, he has the wisdom, the power, the goodness to intermingle everything in the right order and in the right way to where sometimes I'll say only God is able to make a circle and a square operate together. God is able to do that which we cannot do and sometimes have difficulty in understanding how it can be done. But when we, when we look at things, even, even today, we look back in the midst of, let's say, something, we'd say, oh, it was just awful. But we look back and we see where there was some good out of it. So the point here before we get into unfolding this is that God does know. That's why the psalmist wrote, O Lord, how, how manifold are your works. In wisdom, you've made everything. The earth is full of your possessions, and you understand its way, and you know its place. So God knows. But Paul, did, Paul didn't say God knows. God, Paul said, you know. I'm not there yet. The second thing is, is good. 
Let's read the text again. All things work together for good. God knows what is good. Now, why? Remember what I said. The knowing of every scripture that I'm going to use is do. God knows because he has seen what is good. He has observed what is good. He has looked, as the scriptures say, upon the hearts of mankind, and he sees them. God knows what is good. Now, what we mean by good, let me appeal to just some of the older, older definitions. Whatever is better or the best or yields an advantage or even as the, uh, in, the, in the ages, beauty, whatever has beauty is good. Uh, and, and it's not just in the moment because something can be good in a moment, we think, good in the moment, only later we discover it was not so good. What God sees, what God knows, he has observed that whatever is good will be good to the end. Our problems in humanity is we think something is good for the moment only to discover that it's not good at the end. It's like Emerson said, which I'll, I, 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 I refer to frequently. Everyone wants the mermaid's head, but they don't see the dragon's tail. God knows the good at the end. We don't, but God does. That's why Jesus taught. He says, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a bad tree bear good fruit. God knows vis-a-vis he he has seen he has looked he has beheld what jesus just said a bad tree cannot yield good fruit or vice versa the reason that god is able to see that is because he has as i refer to this infinite pure wisdom James writes about this kind of wisdom in his letter to the church. He was first pastor of church at Jerusalem. And here's what he says. There is a wisdom below. There's a wisdom that we get from from living. There's a wisdom we get from learning what to do and what not to do. That's, that's, That's man's wisdom. But then he says, there is a wisdom that is from above. And here's what he says about it. It's pure peaceable, it's gentle, it yields, it has mercy, it's good, and it does not have partiality. So good is not what's necessarily good for the moment, it's what's good at the end, all right? So that's the second thing. Paul says, we know that. I'm not there yet. I don't know that yet. How can I know? How do I know that? All right. The next thing is, it says, we know that all things work together for good to those who love God. 
God knows who loves him. Remember the word, God sees, he observes, he beholds, he knows who loves him. That's why the psalmist encourages us to love the Lord. We speak a lot about God's love to us, but there is as much said about us loving God, not in word, but in deed also. In other words, the psalmist wrote, Oh, love the Lord, all of you saints, for the Lord, why? Because the Lord preserves those who love him or the faithful. He will strengthen your heart, all of you who hope in the Lord. God knows, God knows who prays to him. God observes who follows him. God sees who searches them out, as was mentioned by Becky and Nancy. God sees that. Therefore, God knows. And that's the knowing that we're talking about. Jesus said, when he was asked the question, what is the greatest commandment? And what he said is, you are to love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and all of your mind, and all of your strength. God sees those who love him with all of their heart, with all of, all of their soul, and their mind, and their strength. That's why Jesus taught to his disciples, if anyone loves me, he will keep, he will keep my word. Not just, not just be able to talk about it, he will keep it. Bring it in and he will keep it. And my Father will love him. And we will come to him and make our abode or home with him. Paul writes to the church of Corinth and says essentially the same thing. He says, if anyone loves God, this one is known by him. In other words, God knows who loves him. All things work together for good to those who love God. Paul says, we know that. I don't yet, but God knows who loves him. The scriptures teach us very simply that, that this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments because they are not burdensome whatsoever. So all things work together. God knows God knows how to intermingle all things. God knows what to do. God knows how to make everything fit and everything come out. Not at the moment, not at the moment, but in the end, it comes out. It's the best. As one philosopher said, it's the best of all possible scenarios and world. And then it says, to those who are called, according to his purpose, called. Interesting word. Sometimes we, uh, some people will read this passage and think, well, God has determined who's called. That's not what this word means at all. What this word means is just simply invited. For all those who are invited to his purpose, all things, so all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are invited 
to participate in his purpose. Kletos, that's a small word, but it's very, very important. There is an occasion in the ministry of Jesus that I think captures this, that captures what this word means, called, all right? Jesus was out teaching, and of course, he had a great interest and a great following. One day, a man came to him, and he said, Good master, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus looked at him, and he said, Why do you call me good? There is none good but God. And then he said, He said, You follow the commandments. And the young man said, well, teacher, I've done these from my youth up. And Jesus looked at him, the scripture says, according to Mark, Jesus looked at him and loved him. He he loved him because he had followed the commandments. And he said, but you lack one thing. Well, when this young man heard what that one thing was, was to just simply follow him, follow Jesus, the scriptures say the man's face fell And he went away sad because he had great wealth and did not want to respond to that invitation. Now, the way we're laying this out already, you can see that what would Jesus say there? Does this young man love me? Does he want to follow me? No, because he walked away. And Jesus later said, many are called, invited but few respond. So all things, according to Paul, all things work together for good to those who love God, that God knows love him, and those who respond to him and want to be a part of his purpose. But then we come to his purpose. What exactly is the purpose of God? Is it to give us just that small pill for the moment? Or does he have a greater purpose? Does it revolve around us? Or is it the case that we should revolve around God's purpose? We live in a world where we become so self-centered that we even think that God is our, as I've said, our own credit card. We pull him out when we need him and we put him back in the pocket when we don't. That's not God's purpose. He's never wanted to be in our hip pocket. God's purpose means this. That which God has set forth, an intention, deliberate, as has been said recently, deliberate. Here's what Paul wrote to the church regarding his God's purpose. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. Because in the fullness of times, God is gathering together in one All things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are in earth in him. And from this, we understand that the wisdom of God should and might be known, made known by the church, according to the eternal purpose which he is going to accomplish in Christ Jesus our Lord. So the purpose 
of God that I think Paul is referring to here always comes back to Jesus Christ. And what's interesting about this is that I understand that, that God knows, that God knows good, that God knows those who love him, and that God knows who he has invited, and God knows his purpose. But Paul doesn't say God knows. Paul says, you know. So now I come to my first question. How do I know? How is it that I can know that? Because everything in me kind of comes about that, you know, God may know, but I'm still wondering how all these things are going to work out. Or does God love me? Or as the psalmist says, why have you forsaken me, the Lord? I mean, our human nature uh, sometimes just deals havoc with us. I think that when we go through this and when we finally come to it, we begin to understand that there's only one way that we, we can know. And let me go back to the word. Again, gnosko means that I'm progressively, I'm, I'm gaining knowledge and everything, and maybe, you know, I can gain knowledge and learn that all things work together for good. Maybe. But that's not the word that's used. What's used is we know. And what Paul is saying is we know because we have observed. We have embraced. We've beheld. We've been a part of that when all things are stirred around, because we love God, because we responded and said, we want to be a part of your purpose, Lord. We, we want to be a part of Jesus Christ and his kingdom. Because of that, we observe and we know. We know. We have that knowledge. And that's why Paul is saying that. So my question is, well, well how do I know? Well, let's, let's look at this very quickly. At the beginning of Jesus' ministry... Two disciples heard him speak. They had been following John the Baptist. So they, they followed Jesus after, after he was baptized. Jesus could tell that these two disciples were following him. He turned around and he said, what do you seek? And they said to him, well, Rabbi, teacher, you know, where are you staying? And here's what Jesus said. Come and see for yourself. The invitation. Now, at that point, they were called, invited. But they did not turn and go the other way. They came, and the scriptures say, they came to their, Jesus came to their house and remained with them all day. They knew, they had observed, they beheld, they embraced. Here's another one. Woman at the well. She thought she knew what religion was. She thought she knew who God was. She thought she knew where to worship. But Jesus says, you don't even know what you worship. She was brokenhearted, had a tough life, no answers whatsoever. And I'm sure that had the woman at the well been told what Paul just wrote. All things work together for the good of them that love God. She would have said, well, they haven't for me. 
because I've been married several times. No one wants to visit with me. I'm having to come to the well by myself and get water by myself, and I'm tired. She would not know. But you know, Jesus talked to her, and she went back to the village, and she told everyone in the village these words, Come, see a man who told me everything about myself. All right? She did not come to that knowledge from a distance. She did not come to that knowledge from just reading. She came to that knowledge because she was in close, intimate, personal contact with God, who is the purpose in Jesus Christ. That's God's purpose in Jesus Christ. That's why Jesus taught in the Sermon on the Mount when we worry about all things, when we're worrying about all the, the intermingling and everything that's going on, Jesus says, don't be like the world. He says, your heavenly Father knows, he sees your need. He beholds your needs. He, in the, he knows the things you have need of before you even ask him. God does know. Jesus did say he does know. But my question is, how do I know? Well, as we saw from the woman at the well and as we saw from the two disciples, if we are close, if we draw near, if we behold with our mind's eye and our heart's soul, if we do that with the Lord, we then begin to gain that kind of knowledge we know. We know, in fact, when Jesus was getting ready to um, be crucified, he was speaking with his disciples night of the Passover. He was telling them that he was getting ready to go away. And they were worried. And that's when we read this. You believe in God, believe also in me, my father's house, or many mansions. If it were not so, I would tell you. But I go to prepare a place for you that where I am, there you may be also. But there was one disciple that said, well, Lord, we don't know where you're going. How do we know the way? How can we know the way? And Jesus looked at him and he said, I'm the way. Therefore, you know. Why? Because you've walked with me. Thomas had seen the Lord. Thomas had been with the Lord. He had beheld the Lord. Therefore, he knew the way. So when we, in our lives, don't know the answer to all things. For instance, what's the best way to do something? What's, how are all these things going to work? How are all these things going to end? Paul is saying, if we know God then we know what God can do and will do because we know him, because we love him. That's why the invitation in closing is what Jesus 
so gently invited. Again, with this idea of knowing is, is, is observing. Jesus says, come unto me, just like he did the disciples. Come unto me, all you who labor and are heavy laden. You will see that I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. You will see and know that I'm gentle and I'm calm in heart. And you will find rest in your souls. You will observe. You will know. You will understand that my way is easy and my burden is light. I think that that is why Paul, at the end of his life, was able to say with such conviction, I've suffered things. Yes, I'm not ashamed, however. Why? Because I know in whom I have believed. I have seen. I have beheld. I have been close. I have embraced. I have been touched by that one. I know in whom I believe and am persuaded. Why? Because I've seen what he's done. Persuaded that he is able to keep that which I've committed unto him against that day. So our text, when we think about this, is the comfort of knowing when we don't know things. I may not know all things. I may not know how they work. I may not know how things are going to end. I may not know a lot of things. But Paul is saying here, I can know through God and knowing God that he will make sure that all things work together for the good of them who love God. And that's why he wrote, and we know that all things work together for good to those who love God to those who are called according to his purpose. Let us come to that knowledge and see and know what the Lord is able to do in our lives. Let's pray. Father, we thank you this morning for the time to be in your house and to think, ponder, and to take in your word. I pray today, Lord, that we would not be those who would try to understand and gain knowledge from a distance, but that we would, like Mary, come and fall at your feet and simply ask, Lord, to touch our hearts. I pray today, Lord, if there's anyone here, that they would just pause long enough to understand that God knows all things in their life. He observes he knows our needs and what we need before we ever ask Him. So, Lord, may we know that. May we rest in our knowledge that God will take care of all things in our lives and we'll give you thanks for it in our Lord's name. Amen. Let's stand this morning as we sing a good hymn, I Need Thee Every Hour. And remember, we want that close, intimate time with our Lord that we might know as we sing what page? 423. 423, as we all sing. 